ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two of Canadian Puxedo. So glad you came back. Or if you're here for the first time, go to hell. We only take people who ride or die from the very beginning. No, no, we're happy we're here. And uh, Charles Pickett is here with me yet again. Charles, what's happening? Can't get rid of me. Nor would I want to. Oh, some sweet. Uh, before we start anything, just want to quote my favorite Twitter gag of all time, which is uh, an awful lot of people in this group chat don't realize that there's a Juno Award nominated uh, person sitting there. <laughs> Uh, congrats, Matt. Thanks, buddy. Can you tell that Donovan Wood story real quick? So it's on his Twitter. Don, if, if, if you follow, if you somehow follow me on Twitter and don't follow Donovan Woods, reevaluate everything in your lives, people that are listening right now. But uh, I don't know. It's probably like four or five years old now. Uh, he would just tweet where he would be uh, anywhere, anywhere. Like awful lot of people in this home hardware. Uh, don't real are acting like they don't realize a Juno nominated songwriter is around them. Like, you know, he was well, dropping his car off to get served. It was just, it was one of my favorite ongoing gags. I think it's, if he gets nominated for something else, it comes back every now and then, but it's, uh, if I were you, I'd be flexing on it all day. Well, long. you won't believe this, but I am flexing on it as we speak. Cause there is a lot of people in my girlfriend's closet right now that don't know that there is a potential Juno award loser sitting in here as we speak um thank you for saying that charles it's very nice if you want to get my album it's on my website this uh this podcast is sponsored by my own comedy album <laughs> you can get okay actually you know what let's let's go let's get into this a little bit so i have a story that i may have told you before but i think it is if anybody ever asks me any new comics ever ask me any stand-up advice they always i always tell them this story because i think it's very important and i think it's a very good lesson so sometimes you'll do two shows in a night uh there was this one time i was doing two shows in ajax in one night which is too too many i might say <laughs> so the first show uh i absolutely ripped it I crushed it. It was a great show. I was like, I'm on top of the world. I am a capable comedian. This is my job. I am so lucky. These people are the best. I'm so glad to be here. Then there's a 30-minute break, and then there's a late show. Now, the people from the late show come in, and they're absolutely buckled drunk, and I personally was tired, and I think I I'm, I don't – my point is I don't want to blame the crowd because I ate shit. The show before I had murdered, I had sold a bunch of merch. And then 30 minutes later, I went back on and I bombed off my ass. And this is important because I left that night thinking that I sucked. Now, Charles, let me ask you this. If I have a good show for the early show and a bad show for the late show, am I a bad comedian? No, you are not a bad comedian. I appreciate you saying if, that. That's very nice, and I think that's the true answer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw in here, though. If your bad show led you to bombing the next six out of seven shows, might need to tweak how you prepare for these shows. Let's let me finish this metaphor, Charles, and how dare you cut me off, because fuck, I was going to crush that. <laughs> but me and you say. have been arguing through text message for, I don't know, 48 hours. This is my point about <laughs> the Leafs. The Leafs are 
19, 9, and 2. The record is good. The Leafs have also lost 5 of 6. But there's a little thing called recency bias, and that is a weakness that all of our brains have, which is that you, your brain will attach to the last thing and think that it is the most important thing. But it is not. It's just the last thing. This is the reality. Yes, the Leafs are on a losing streak. But the Leafs are first in the division. They're tied with the uh, – by winning percentage, they're tied with the Jets. But yet again, I got a feeling there's people tuning into this looking for us collapsing and losing our shit, and I'm not doing it. I feel great. Charles? Lose your oh, mind, baby. Now that, you're, now that you're done, I'm going to collapse and lose my shit for a little bit here. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to get going on this. I, I, I understand that, yes, they got off to a hot start and all this stuff. One of my main tropes that I always, like, bring up, if you, if you look through my tweets, there's one every year. It's like, oh, better give the Philadelphia Flyers the November Stanley Cup. Better give the, I don't know, we gave it to the Tampa Bay Lightning who did win the cup, by the way? Gave it to the Tampa Bay Lightning one year, not the year they won the cup. Better give them the November Cup. Better give them. So it kind of sucks giving my team the March Cup because the world is on fire and we've been delayed for a little bit. And then we kind of have to watch them eat a little bit of trash right now, is all I would kind of describe the current Leafs. I think. I don't think, like, I think when we were texting one another, it came off that I was one of these, like, holy fuck, the sky is falling. There's no way to repair this. Rip up the train tracks and pave a road. Like, we gotta, I just think there's some things that I've seen that are a cause for concern that we shouldn't let the record so far write those off. That's all I was saying. I have concerns as well. Would you like to go first? I'll go first um, on the condition that, like, you interrupt me if I go too crazy here. Okay. <laughs> okay. The the one thing, so I uh, I'm a reactionary person by nature. I know that. I'm aware of this. It's been pointed out to me a lot. Uh, but the one thing that I've kind of weaned off of, and it goes back to last year's Leafs, is uh, a text message where my buddy sent me that was like, you know, you're allowed to have fun with this. This is supposed to be fun. So oh, good get for your friends. Yeah, and anyway, um, I've decided that games that I, in my core, feel like they're not going to be fun, I just, I pull the parachute and I'm out. I call those parachute games, and last night and the night before, the last two were definitions of parachute games. Now, I didn't bail out on Saturday night, of course, because it's Hockey in Canada, but last night's Leafs reminded me so much of last season's Leafs after 20 minutes of play, and it was the play where, where Anderson got ran over. So Hutchinson comes in, and he allows two. That didn't even make me mad. I literally laughed and was like, huh, you know what? It's about time. Like, we've been dancing around that fire for so long that we were going to get burned. He lets in two on two, and I'm like, all right, yeah, all right. You were, you were gone. Yeah, I was – no, no, I, I stuck around. I was like, I didn't. that didn't bother me in the least. I was like – he let two in on two shots, and I was like, you know what? That's We got as much out of that mule as we're going to get. We're lucky that he had a shutout and four wins so far. Like, I'm not blaming Hutch at all. Then Freddie comes in. Freddie lets in two. But he gets bowled over. And, like, the first one he scores, like, Brady to Chuck is pretty much, like, breathing and standing on him. And least players are like, well, fuck, he got behind us. And then the, the, the second one, or after the second goal, he gets plowed 
by Brady mm-hmm. Chuck. And the Leafs players are like, oh, shit, you all right, Fred? Who just came back from an injury. And nobody, like, and I'm not calling for, like, I don't know, Ogie Goldthorpe to cave someone in with a stick. Like, at least act like you're mad. Grab him by the jersey and be like, fucking do that again, I'll fucking pound you. Or like, you know, like, yeah. at least get a little, show a reaction here. And I found that was my least favorite thing about last season's Leafs were, it was like once they were like, once things got a little bit chippy, they were like, all right, I'll skate away. And look, you can have, you can have, well, we got 12 forwards and six defensemen. You can have as many as 12 guys skate away. You can have them. You can have 12 guys, but you got to have at least like two forwards and two defense people who are going to at least like, get a little bit worked up and bent out of shape. I would say, though, I tell you who they missed, if I can both counter and agree with this point. Zach Bogosian's there. He's doing that. He got in a fight last night. If that's your cup of tea, that happened. Jake Muzzin would normally be that guy, but he have, he has a Boston <laughs> pizza fishbowl Friday on his head. I tell you, though, uh, and I'm a big Kyle Dubas truther. I believe in what the man has done. I think that the one clear mistake, though, is the Kadri deal. Nazem Kadri there is uh, sorely, sorely missed, I think, in that sense. But with players like that comes a second thing, and I would say two counterpoints on that, the first of which being that I don't want the Ottawa Senators ever making me mad, ever. The Ottawa Senators are horrendous. They have a 4% chance. If Ottawa Senators are making you mad, it's like if your little brother is being a pest and then you beat the shit out of them. You know what I mean? You should have kept your head. The second thing, well, first, we said this today over text too. Wayne Simmons solves all of these problems single-handedly, in my point. And the other thing, if I can come back to my, my, my thing about streaks, I know that there's no March Cup, and I take no delight in winning it, but there is also no March draft lottery. The time that stuff happens doesn't matter. Streaks don't matter. It's what is the cumulative thing, and why is it happening? And I hate to be doing this because we are one week in. I re-listened to our episode last week, and are like, we are hard on goalies. And I hate to do it, but I'm doing it again. Fred, since he's been back from injury, I think Fred is a 915 goalie. I think he's just okay. I don't know if he is the Leafs guy. I don't think he is. I don't know if there's a better option this week. We have a mailbag question about that. We'll probably come back to it. But like Fred had in the last four games, I mean, last night was not his fault. Hutch blew that game and he came in, you know, already down two goals. Before that, he's at an 844, 889, 836, 871. Everything in that leaf streak, while simultaneously the penalty killing has fallen to shit. I don't think that this is good. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it doesn't make me sick (laughs) because it does. But am I worried in a larger term? Nope. This team is so good, and I feel great, and I'm just ready to start winning again, and I think it's going to turn around real fast. But it won't this week because we don't play any games. A couple things on that before we move on. So, uh, the Anderson stuff. And we had a mailbag question on the Anderson stuff, if, if, and we'll, we'll get to it. But you said that he's just okay. I think he's good. 
Yeah. Not great. I think he's good, not great. I, I think there was a time when he came in early, two or three seasons ago. Yeah. He was on the cusp of great. First three years and now, was really good. good. I think right now he's barely okay. So there's got to be something with that injury. That's the only way this makes a little bit – if I were to bet, I'm thinking it's like a groin strain thing that really – Realistically, if that's the case, like, I don't know, I'm not Francois Allaire, or we, we could probably hire him because he got fired in the middle of a game. But uh, <laughs> goalies and groins, like, that's the shit that doesn't heal until the offseason. So I tell you what, groin... Charles, too, he's 31, man. This guy yeah. is not young. Ouch. That hurts yeah. me personally. I agree. Listen, man, I'm I'm 32, <laughs> but my body's trash, man. My body's garbage. And the last thing, so you mentioned Kyle Dubas there. The the reason that I get like I I guess worked up and I, I'm not one of these skies falling trade everybody, burn the boat stuff. I genuinely do fear just because of the media hoopla. And there's always just a fire around that wagon that they're just going to over overreact one day and fire Kyle Dubas, who I think is one of the smartest guys in the NHL. Yeah, and I I'm, agree. It's, and that's the reason where I'm like, I know, like, look at what that guy did in the summer. Like, I know it's polarized. And if you log on Twitter and, and even say his name, there's – 200 reactions and 150 of them are good and 50 of them are just angry, angry, angry things. Yeah. But it's always there. But look at what he did in off season and then tell me it's like, oh, it's his fault. It's like, well, what's he got to do? He got to go score a goal himself on the power play? Like, Oh, he had – Kyle Dubas' offseason, I think you're dead on. I think it was spectacular. I, 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 and I think that the Leafs, man, like they are going to – this is how it works. We, we, the Washington Capitals, the Tampa Bay Lightning, this is what you have to do. You have to get key pieces, you have to lock them up, and then you just rearrange the chairs around them and hope that somebody comes in. But the goalie, the goaltending is a big hot seat. They did acquire a goalie, I will say. And when I say that they will acquire a goalie, that means that I'm about to say this man's name and pray for me, my goodness, and my apologies to the fine people of Finland. But I'm pretty sure the Leafs acquired a goalie named Viney Velvilainen. Viney Velvilainen, I think. I don't know much about this guy, and it's hard to evaluate goalies as it is. I will say that Miko Lettinen was, like, one of those guys that everyone was chasing. And I don't know if I would give up on him yet. I think they did right by him, but I think that based on how he performed in the KHL, he might be able to do something for Columbus. How did you feel when that trade came through, or did you feel nothing at all? Uh... I, I felt so to me, like I, I did a bit of reading of the tea leaves and uh, I was actually close to forking over uh, like 39 or 59, whatever it was uh, bucks for the AHL package when they, when they sent them down because I was like, well, I want to see this guy. And I feel like we haven't really seen what he's capable of. He's, he's never been given kind of a long leash because of the shortened season and because of, you know, every game is a, a four-point game in, in the same division here. So they couldn't really test him or give him any, you know, any any highway miles. And I was like, well, maybe I'll have a, have a look at the AHL. And uh, I was sizing up to watch the game that was going to be his debut. And I was like, well, do I want to pay 60-odd bucks? watch a handful of Marley's games, and then he got traded. So I think it was like, hey, he, he kind of phoned his agent that day. He was a little bit sour and was like, 
listen, I left the KHL where I was putting up big numbers to play in the NHL, not the AHL, and uh, find find a partner, like find a team that'll play me at the NHL. The unfortunate thing is the team that's going to, you know, traded for him has the coach John Tortorella, so I made the joke that he's already benched. Trading for a Finnish player, Tort's already benched him before he got <laughs> off the flight. You sure. know, ask Patrick Line about it. Uh, I don't think it's, I also don't think it's going to be one of those like weird trades that comes back and haunts the Leafs like a crypt keeper. Like it's not going to be like we're, we're no. watching this guy's hall of fame induction ceremony in 20 he is years. 26. Like, yeah, exactly. And, and the age part of it there, I just think it was like, look, I didn't leave the uh, KHL and I didn't leave my home to play in the AHL. Please trade me. And the Leafs were like, yeah, you know, that's fair. Tough, but fair is, is what I would call that, that kind of reaction. Yeah. It's fun to get a trade, though, isn't it? It's fun, and I think goaltending depth is obviously something that this team is sorely lacking. I think he probably bucks over Hutchinson. I just – man, I, I feel bad for Hutch. Like, my point is I do think that he is closer to being the Leafs' third goalie than a lot of people would think. And before we move off to Leafs, I do want to say, you know who is number, 20, number two in save percentage in the NHL this year? I will say with a very small sample size. Number two in save percentage. Jack Campbell. I'm going to say Jack Campbell. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, very small sample size. He, he pitched a shutout there. And, yeah, one game where he held Calgary to one goal. So that would that would make sense. Um, I think the team, by far, just it plays better in front of Campbell because they know he's the backup. And it's just kind of a – you mentioned mental biases before in, in the show. I just think it's something that subconsciously happens. And I wonder if going forward he becomes the guy, if that changes. You know what I mean? That's that's something, and we could leave it at that. That's something I want to like would watch out for. And again, he's been on the shelf with an injury, came back for one game, tweaked it, and he's gone again. So whatever the hell it is, I hope he's okay. Yeah. Uh, and again, that goes back to he was getting bowled over by the Calgary Flames, and nobody was doing anything about it. Nobody was okay. getting mad. Nobody was. And Wayne Simmons it, was in that game, by the way. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can. I think you're putting two uncorrelated things together there. I think that. I mean, I would like the Leafs to be harder on the net front, but uh, I think that's going to sort itself out. Speaking of harder on the net front, a man went through waivers this week, <laughs> who was not hard in the net front by any means, but he does drive play. He can carry the puck. He's a great passer. He can play on both special teams units and has had success. I am talking about the man who looks like Buzz Lightyear, that Leafs fans have so many opinions on, Jake Gardner. What is your thoughts? I, made a, I looked at all the Canadian teams, and I looked at do they have cap space or do they have a defenseman making the same amount of money that Jake Gardner would help that team? I don't think the Leafs have the space, but the, the Oilers, the Sens... Uh, the Canucks, in my opinion, and definitely, and I found this very surprising, the Winnipeg Jets. I, I don't understand someone of that caliber going through waivers and not getting picked up on a, on a team that's blue line is just so clearly not there yet. What are your, what are your, do you think that the, the Jets would be helped by Garner or any of those teams? What's your thoughts? Uh, so I'm going to kick this up by saying, I am. You said Jake Gardner brings up a lot of opinions. He has always been my large adult son. I love Jake Gardner. I would welcome him back into the Leafs fold as if it Same. were my own home with open arms. 
unfortunately, that's not going to happen just because of the contract situation. Um, I think a part of there, – there's a lot of teams I think could benefit from them if they could make it work. Um, the first the first team that came to my head was in order I'll rank them. I thought – I looked at it. I thought, okay, Calgary, they got a new coach, uh, so nobody is, is set in stone there. Calgary's new coach likes veteran guys. He likes guys that have been around the block. Jake Gardner has. He's been, played on top-line minutes in Toronto. He's played middle-line minutes in Toronto. He's played middle-line minutes in Carolina. He's been in and out of the lineup in Carolina. He, you know, he's not – he's not he, – he can – he's versatile. You can use him in situations. He's like a Swiss Army knife. So I thought, yeah, Calgary, that's a good fit. Never thought about Ottawa until you brought them up there, actually. Come Ottawa on, get Branson out there and Garter in. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of – and they got the room. I just don't know if Ottawa is willing to spend money, like willing to take on money right now. I think that's the issue. Yeah. I think they're not – yeah. And that's what I think the issue boils down to with the Jets. If they're going to add, it's going to be like a, a giant swing at the plate. It's not going to be a little tinker here, a little tinker there. If the Jets do add – if there's a big piece, this trade deadline um, – I, I heard, I heard the – Matthias Eckholm from Nashville's name kicked around a lot. If there's a big swing at the at the bat of that, I think the Jets do it because they've already gone through the quarantine with Dubois, so they know how that process works. They know how they could do it a little bit better than most teams because they've done it once. They know how they can do it a second time with a little bit more, I guess, without them being as impacted or as, as isolated from the team. And yeah. I think, yeah, I, I, I think that if there were to be – piece that they pick up it's probably going to be a bigger piece than jake gardner on the waiver wire uh, here's he the thing though after what sorry he, he did clear waivers which he did clear waivers best. which is what i find so shocking and i agree with you that they need a big piece and if they can get Ekholm, i think like you're absolutely right Ekholm is definitely like looking to be from a defenseman standpoint he's on a great contract he can kill penalties he's good with the puck that guy is a unit he would help a lot of teams but i think if you're looking at winnipeg you're two pieces away on that blue line it's not one if you're not playing Billy heinola this year this is the jets blue line right now they have morrissey who has really come along this year dylan Demello, who i think is a solid d that i think is kind of like a coach's dream kind of type uh forbert god knows uh, Logan Stanley, Poolman, listen, you need three guys there. I will say I cannot get out of this without praising Neil Pionk, who is just like oh. plays with an edge. He's good on the power play. Man, they, that trade that they made for that to move Truba to get him, I mean, I don't Very know if hockey. he's a better player than Truba, but he's playing better hockey. He's cheaper. I think Neil Pionk is a gun. But he's like, better- look at this, like – if you want to add Jake Gardner for nothing, you add him for nothing. You just get a quality second pair D that can just jump on. And if you argue that maybe he's a number five, okay, guess what? You Winnipeg needs that too. Uh, so I think that there's two pieces that need to come in there. That said, the Jets, I think my biggest note when I listened to this podcast last week is I was like, we got to give some shine on the Jets. I think uh, the Jets have been so, so good. Uh, the just so they're seven and three in their last ten. They're the hottest team in the division, and they are tied with the Leafs in points percentage. How real do you think the Jets are? How real is the the, the Jets are? In my opinion, one uh, love the Winnipeg Jets. 
Uh, I made a joke the other week that, like, when they beat us the first time, I was like, oh, Jesus, I just listened to a Weaker Thans album, and the city of Winnipeg needs this win more than we do. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the Jets are, and, and, like, they are the Wario of the Mario Maple Leafs Mario right now. They are the exact opposite. Oh, buddy, no, 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 no. The Leafs are Wario. Okay, Nobody right, likes just, us. We are not the hero. We are okay. the villain, my friend. Mean, but continue, because I'm very excited for its, what you're going to say. Flip it on its head. So essentially, the Leafs right now go into every game, and it's like, Jesus, these guys are stacked. Uh, they should win. And, you know, they get goalied. And you, you'll see that term a lot. They get goalied. And then you go and you look at Winnipeg, and it's like, they got two lines. If you shut down the two lines, their bottom two lines ain't really much to look at, and their D is full of holes. Yeah. So, yeah, but their goalie is winning them game. Like just, and even their backup is really good, which we saw last week. Like their backup probably challenges for if you expand the league to its like thirty-one teams, their backup probably steals a lot of jobs. If I am the Seattle Kraken, if I am uh, you know Seattle Kraken general manager Ron Francis, I'm looking at their goalie situation. I'm like, ooh, I wonder what it takes. You are Brett the- yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you're obviously going to protect Hellebuck. So, yeah, you you, you you look at it, and you're like, well, you got to address the goaltending thing anyway. Of course, there's always Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas. A lot of people think that he's going to be, the, like, the one guy that gets picked twice type of thing because they gave all that money to Rob, Robin Leonard. So, yeah. Man, i got to be honest. I don't even have Bressois. Like, I don't think I have him in my top five backups in the conference. Wow. Yeah, no, I don't. He's got a career 908. He had one really good year that I was like, who's this guy? And it was the year that, that Hellebuck, uh, Hellebuck was not doing so good. I got to be honest. I don't know what it is. I think the Jets forward core, I think, is really like, my God. Nick Ehlers is uh, – Pierre-Luc Dubois said this week that he's the best player he's ever played with. Pierre-Luc Dubois has also played with, like, Panarin. He's played with – Sam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson, a very underrated player. But, yeah, Nick Ehlers is making uh, a big step this year. And, I mean, the question is, is he better than Mark Scheifele? You're lucky to have both. But I think, overall, Ehlers might even be the better player. Like, is Dubois just not going to – like, that quote, everyone's like, oh, he said he's the best player. I was like, the dude just got traded there. Is he going to say it's like – Nick Ehlers played really good. Yeah, but he's not. He's uh, not Cam Atkinson. That is actually. Yeah, that's. So, you're so right you know about that. I mean? That would be so funny. Be like, hey, uh, who do you think is the best player that you've ever played with? And he was like, oh, I really miss our Tammy Panarin. Actually, yeah, thanks like, for asking. You know, it's. it's I what's like, what's he gonna say? Gonna, yeah, I, one guy I always find myself like watching when I watch the Winnipeg Jets, who amazes me every time is the career trajectory of Blake Wheeler, who has been around forever and finds a way to never age out. Never. Love him. He was talking about Patrick Laine about like, yeah, there's a, he's really talented and he's going to have, I think he was just talking about how it's just like when he gets his shit together that, you know, he's going to be an absolute force. And I was like, I honestly kind of feel like he's talking about himself a little bit. Oh yeah, because he did because he was not a quick starter by any yeah. means. No, he was he was a late a late bloomer in the hockey world. Trajectory wise, career trajectory wise, people forget like he was part of the Thrashers. I want to say he was a rookie with the Thrashers, still had Kolchak. Like he's been around. Like yeah. you know, that's I don't know what's Blake Wheeler sitting at now. He's probably thirty five. 
I think he's, uh, yeah, he's he's no Joe Thornton, but he's not a young yeah, man. I think he's, yeah, no, I think he's like 35, maybe 34. He's 34, 35. I'm looking at, and I'll say yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, you talk about how he's ageless. If he's 34, he's got uh, three more years at 825. And I did receive a message before anyone sends us any tweets or anything about this, but our producer put in the, the Zoom chat that, Winnipeg has no cap space to add Jake Gardner. So while I am wrong about that, I asked the Winnipeg Jets, where the hell did all your money go if this is the blue Blake, line that you're putting Blake, out there? Blake Wheeler's making 825, man. Blake Wheeler's making 825. <laughs> Matthew Perot's Blake. making four. I mean, I don't know. I like the I like the I like the Jets team and we we can't be shitting on them too much, man. They're the hottest team in the division. And I think that That's they're true. really making a they're really making a play here. This is the big thing. I don't know where they're at with Edmonton and Montreal. It's it's oh, it's tricky. But there's one thing about the Jets, and I'm gonna dispel a narrative because I think you and I talked about this because Hellebuck, I got a text from my girlfriend's dad, and he watched the Leafs play the Jets and he said, We got hella fucked. And we did. <laughs> yeah i thought that was awesome um but there's kind of a there's this idea that uh connor hellebuck is like they got to give this guy the vesna and i was like yeah absolutely he looks amazing but i looked into it a little bit connor hellebuck has given up three or more goals in all but 10 of his last games with a 900 save percentage and a 3.32 goals against so while i am not saying that connor hellebuck is not a great goalie who i would kill to have on the leafs but the Jets, my point here is the Jets are good. They are good, but Hellebuck's save percentage, like how much higher would that be if he's not facing 20-odd high-danger scoring chances a night? You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. You you very well could be right there. Yeah, like I, I think like he is the, – the three games we just played them, like he – the two games he played for them, there's no getting anything past him. I think we no. had like 60 shot attempts in one game for freak's sakes. I think he's in the top three goalies in the division. Uh, I, I, but I will say that I think – I guess my point here is not so much that he's not good because I think he's better than he's showing right now, but that the Jets are doing it, and it's not because of him. The Jets are doing it because they have so much firepower and they, uh, they're just – they're for real. And you know what? One of these guys, Forbert Pullman, one of them – Maybe it's just we're underrating those guys, but yeah. I I can't help but think, like you said, that if they grab Matthias Ekholm, there's no better fit, man. He would yeah. be perfect. Uh, that that would be. They would have to move out a lot of money. We just uh, we just learned thanks to our producer. Uh, they're like tight against the cap, but they yeah. can always find a way to move money out. Um, I think that with their defense situation, it's which one of the you know so they got a lot of moving parts down there at the bottom they got you know their, their, their first two guys are set and then everything else is wide open you got to ask like okay the odds of one of these guys having a coming out party season is probably not too much to ask for two of them having that type of season you're getting a little bit greedy yeah, uh, I think three of them is just unheard of. I think uh, their draft pick, their first rounder from a while, he took to develop big tall guy. Logan Stanley is it? I don't really know if he's going to stick around on don't that know. roster post deadline if they add. Um, that's and I think they might go back to the well with Columbus. They might move Savard, who would probably be a fit in the Canadian division if any team wants to kind of take a swing for him. Um, 
and I, we saw we saw as Leafs fans what he could do in the bubble last time around. I'd love to have him in Toronto if we could uh, if we could somehow pry him away from down there. Um, I can't so believe I'm about to say this, but my concerns yeah. with the Toronto Maple Leafs are not on the blue line, my friend. They are uh, in the net, and uh, I think they're one forward away. But I don't want to dig too deep back into the Leafs okay. quite yet, all right. because yeah, there all is right. some there is some business in Calgary. Daryl Sutter, welcome back, my friend. <laughs> if you were in a coma for the last little while, in between him being with the Flames and uh, him leaving and now coming back, first of all, congratulations. You missed out on the Trump presidency and the pandemic, and I wish you the very best with your recovery going forward. But for all those people, coma or non-coma, do you think Daryl Sutter's the guy in Calgary? Okay. Uh, first off, if you never saw the welcoming press conference for Daryl Sutter in Calgary, you got to watch it. It's great. He's struggling through the Zoom thing. It felt like when we were trying to get our first uh, episode recorded last week, and I couldn't figure out how to make my headphones work. It was very, very entertaining for me. Uh, two, that put me on a deep dive of looking up how many coaches – uh, from the 2000s, so he was he was the bench boss 2003, I believe, when the Calgary Flames almost captured the cup against the was that 2003 Tampa Bay Lightning Calgary? Yes, it to was. The, yeah, okay. I'm going to say 2003. Yeah, I'm going to guess 2003. It might have been 2004. I don't know. One of those years, I ended up looking up the coaching, the head coaches and assistant coaches in the NHL level, and how many of them are still employed at the NHL level. And I believe between head coaches and assistant coaches, I came up with like 14. Uh, unfortunately, a few people have passed away since then. Like Pat Quinn was a head coach. He's Brian Murray as well, I believe. But I was like, okay, the NHL just passes around coaches. That's all they do. Daryl Sutter yeah. ending up back in Calgary is almost as inevitable as uh, Lindy Ruff probably ending up back in Buffalo because he'd take a pay cut to go back there and the Pingulas would want it. Uh, one thing I'll say about Sutter and the change, because I watch a lot of the Flames. Yeah. One thing I'll, I'll say about Sutter and the Flames right now is he has really gone to work already early on in preaching and tightening up what I call low event hockey. It ain't pretty to watch. It ain't exciting, but it gets results. Absolutely. And I wonder if they could actually make a squeeze play here and bounce somebody out of the uh out of the pitcher i know that they're they got a lot of games left against teams that they haven't seen much of um i I don't think they've seen much of the jets actually come to think of it so that could be interesting to see the one thing that i thought about once i watched these handful of sutter games there's one game that he wasn't at the rudder uh when he came in i was like this reminds me of when when barry trotz hit the islanders bench yeah, uh, they have been like the, – the games have become so dull event-wise. There's nothing going on. And with Jacob Markstrom in that and having guys like Kachuk want. that can bang the puck in and Dylan Dubé, that might not be the worst idea. And it's, it's you know, for me as a sports fan, and Calgary's not my primary team by any means, but I like to watch them mainly because I like the jerseys. They look great, the new jerseys they've got, especially the road white ones. Uh, it's not the most exciting of games, and no. uh, you know, I, I think it could work. I <laughs> I don't know if we'd run into a situation where there's you know a, a three way swing 
that could happen at the end of the year with this Canadian division that just a log jam for those last three positions. And it's kind of like, it's kind of, I think it's got to turn into a game of musical chairs with just the, the, you know, the Canucks and the senators already. Yeah. It's looking like that. But I mean, honestly, I think that Calgary, they, it is put up or shut up time. I know you praised last week, you were praising Montreal for making, uh, the move on Dominic Ducharme and getting that done early so they could turn things around. That said, that did not happen. Uh, and we'll get into that when we get into the Montreal Canadiens. But I think with the Flames, man, there's a there's a pretty big chance that this might be t- too late. Like, in terms of win yeah, percentage, they're, they're, they're pretty far behind team. Montreal, and they're not that far away from Vancouver. Ottawa is chilling in another galaxy, but... <laughs> they did get off to a pretty anemic start, and uh, the joke was that uh, Jake Muzzin flicking the puck at to Chuck broke the flames. I mean, they Good. were in free fall after that. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't count them out. Like it's it's like that casket meme of the Undertaker, where it's like been a casket <laughs> match, and he just you know like I I yeah. just see that happening. I just I don't want to count them out. I think that they could probably dethrone one maybe two teams if they claw their way back here and and that's the thing about this division if you go on a heater nothing is you know out of the question no no and all games are three-point games that's the big thing man you're not only you're not only trying to earn points you are taking opportunities for points away from other teams and this is being this is going to be a huge week for calgary calgary has they have uh, – what are they doing here? Yeah, they got the Oilers on Wednesday and tonight. That's big. And then they have the Leafs twice. So I'm pretty sure they got the Leafs twice and the Oilers twice. So this is a big put-up-or-shut-up week for the Calgary Flames. So Claude Julien, as we have discussed at times, I believe in the last episode, has always been a very strong five-on-five coach. And they're – Five-on-five metrics have not been as good since Ducharme has been there. That said, they have gotten better goaltending, and they have gotten better special teams. So it looks better, but I don't. I, I'm not convinced by this coaching change yet. I had to laugh though, Charles, because we were pretty we were pretty hot takey about Carey Price in the first episode. I think that's fair for us to say. Um, yeah, you're and gonna, since you're then. He's played I, five got, games. What do you I, you want to go? Got a, I've got a pistol at my side for when you finish the statement. So you go, and I'm ready. To, I'm ready to go. You, you finish. You finish up. But I know where this is going. But I've got a defense. I don't know what base. movies that you've seen, Charles. But in movies, when someone has a gun, that's the man that takes a, <laughs> that asserts himself on the situation. Okay. So if you got a pistol, you shoot me. <laughs> so oh, I'm never going to shoot you, Matt. But. Yes, everyone would like to dunk on us, or we'll, we'll, we'll dunk on ourselves for being like, oh, Carey Price is done, he's this, he's that. I'd love to, dip, uh, to dunk on ourselves. That's the way to be. But how much of it is Carey Price, and how much is it is Sean Burke? So if you don't know who Sean Burke is, the Habs brought in Sean Burke as a goalie coach. I am a big Sean Burke guy just because he's, you know, from the school of thought of hockey that's a little bit forward-thinking. And the first thing he does, which is noticeable – is he tells Carey Price, look, you're not as young as you once were. Your side to side is never going to be as fast as it was. Move a little bit deeper into your net. That was his first lesson. And he moves a little bit deeper into his net. He's getting the results. 
one thing that there's some shooters out there that like they'd see a goalie deep in their net and they would just ruin their lives and day. David Pasternak is one. Yep. He doesn't have to play against Pasternak this fucking season whatsoever. So it's like move a little bit deeper in your net, see how the results come, and even just the psychological change of that, being like you're doing something different and see how the results come. Totally. There might be something to it, but he's playing a lot better. However, I'm not ready to roll back on my take that he's aging out. I'm not going to – this isn't going to be – Love it. Yeah, that's I'm. I still am saying to you that look, uh, you want you want hot take guy. You, I'll give you hot take guy. Carey Price doesn't make the next Canadian roster for the Olympics. That's hot take guy. I agree, and I think uh, Kyra Hart might have something to say about that as well. But I will say so. Just to give the shine where it's where it's deserved. Five games since we shit on his performance. He's won three of five. He's got a nine fifty two. So you know. But that said, I'm with you, man. First of all, I would like to just say to our listeners if charles pickett ever threatens to shoot you with a pistol that means that he's about to compliment a different person that's <laughs> which i think personally i think that speaks a lot to your character i wouldn't watch like a western movie with you in it if you were like you know like a little duel where someone's like all right 10 paces back then turn around whoever fires and then some guy goes nine paces turns you shoots you to death while you're in the middle of talking about how great of a job sean burke has done love it charles i love it but price has been good but i do say i'm not rolling back on my take either i think that he's declining i think his contract is atrocious and i think still this year, he has been the second best goalie on the Montreal Canadiens, and that is a both a uh, that's that's a compliment to Jake Allen, who has been excellent. And now, a few years ago, Jake Allen looked like something that was like, I don't know. But Montreal's been turning around. Cock and Yemi, I think, is really starting to turn into something. He's looking very good. Jeff Petrie, my God. Jeff Petrie, uh, I think he has 11 goals. He only has two more to catch himself last year. He has 25 points in 27 games. Like, that dude is on one right now. One thing to watch out in Habsland, too, as we're recording this, uh, Cole Caulfield's team, jeez, uh, I can't remember, Arizona? No, he's not in Arizona. I don't know where he is. Cole Caulfield's NCAA team is tied against Penn State. If Caulfield gets put out, a lot of people think he's going to go to Canada, do the two-week quarantine, and join the Habs. That would be a uh, that would be a big. So the, the two-week quarantine would bring them to the trade deadline. That'd be a big piece to add just internally. I think we're two That's weeks from the trade deadline. Well, if he does the quarantine, if they get put sure, up tonight, sure, sure. Quarantine. I think the I think the deadline's like April tenth or something. Oh, so I understand. I was confused. He I have to be honest. Back. I was still thinking about your gun analogy, and I think I was having a hard time following. <laughs> he would, he but you're would dead on, man. That would be fold. great for them. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. He, yeah, he would come into the fold two weeks before the deadline happens, which uh, the, the deadline is April twelfth. I was off by a few days. Okay. Yeah, Price has given now. up seven goals in his last five. He's been he's been real good. Jeff Petrie's been good. I did see a tweet. This is I don't have anything fun to say about this, but I, I just want to read it to you because it made me laugh. It's from Pierre LeBrun. He says, that four-year extension for Jeff Petrie at $6.25 million looks like a bargain now. He's right about that. That's not why I'm bringing it up. I'm going to bring it up because he didn't say bargain. He said bargoon. So if you ask me, <laughs> Jeff Petrie will be bargoon for the rest of his career. <laughs> oh, he's from the bargoon bin. From the bargoon bin. 
<laughs> yeah, I tell you who else is going to be a bargoon is Cole Caulfield if he, if they get him in there, man. He's going to fling fling a bit of rubber in the net. I'll tell you that. I don't know about this, and I I know that there had been a growing frustration among some Canadians fans about Ben Sherratt and how much he was playing and who he was playing with. And now I don't want to be a psycho here. I think he got hurt, and that sucks. And as the man Ben Sherratt, I feel bad for. But just in terms of like, since he's been out, Alex Romanoff's moved up with Weber, and he's looking real good. I, Do you uh, think they might have, like, have they done themselves a bit of a favor there? Victor Mete's still on the outside tonight. That's been really confusing to me. What do you, what are your thoughts? you have any thoughts on the Habs blue line? I think the Ben Sherratt, uh, Ben Sherratt, you know, the same thing you said. You don't like to see anybody get hurt or go down. I think that Ben Sherratt might be a little bit of, losing him might be a little bit of addition by subtraction. Yeah. I never really did like the way he kind of skated in his own zone. He reminds me a little bit too much of uh, Garnet Exelby back in the old Leaf floor, just a guy that couldn't get out of his own way type thing. Sure. And, you know, he does serve a purpose. He's, he's one of those guys that I was calling for earlier in the show if you're not going to get too close to your goaltender or stuff like that. But I, I think they've got Joel Edmondson still there for that purpose. Yeah, he's been solid. They're all right. And Romanov's I, got that edge, too. Like and also Shea Romanov. Weber. Well, exactly. Shea the the like problem Alex. with their blue line is, is not that it's not mean enough. That's uh, no. That blue line's plenty mean. Maybe it's not mobile enough, and that's why I'm always confused about uh, Vic Mete being out. Yeah, me you too. Know, besides, besides Jeff Petrie, the dish, as I affectionately call him. Uh, <laughs> I call him Bargoon. <laughs> I don't think there's many, uh, and, and Romanov, but he's new. I don't think there's any guys that can, you know, when a guy yells, wheel, 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 and a defenseman just puts on, you know, the boost from NHL 64 mode. Yeah, dude, uh, Jake Gardner. There's, yeah, there's not mm. many guys on the Habs crew that can do that besides Vic Mete. So having him in the press box is just, and, and it's weird to me. And Bergevin you know like he stockpiles left defensemen like because he played left e so yeah. i think that he's not going to trade him i don't think he's going to trade mete i think he's just going to keep him there as a ace in the hole i'm going to disagree with you on that i think he is going to get traded there's a little hot take oh. for you speaking of trades wow. yep i teed that up like i had something exciting happening i don't but the thing of <laughs> it the thing is when you get in a fight in hockey the trade-off is not only are you at a risk of hurting your little fingies which is uh, something that is often said in hockey commentary. This type of discussion is really, really enjoyed by the old school fans. One, fights hurt your fingies. Two, I kind of like them, I can't lie. Three, this is what I wanted to get into. Josh Anderson fought Lucic. And he did pretty well. Like, Josh Anderson is a big, tough dude. And I I give him credit for stepping in. But if you are with the Habs, do you want Josh Anderson to do that? Never. And it's Never. very funny. Never. Not not Lucic. Not that trade-off. What if it, he says something mean to Sean Burke? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have, I'd have questions. I'd have questions. <laughs> I'd, you know, I'd be like, hey, have you met the guy? Fuck <laughs> off. Type of thing. But uh, it's funny that you bring up Lucic because one of my favorite things is when Lucic was leaving. So when Lucic had rose to, to, to where he was on the Bruins – he was selective about his fights because he'd have guys coming to him. And the trade-off yeah. is you take off one of the best pieces on the ice. And then when he ended up in uh, the Oilers, just nobody would go with him because why would I – you're only taking off he, – he, he'd gone that washed 
you're only taking off Milan Lucic. Is it really worth it? And especially if you're like a defenseman or something like that, you're really putting the cuffs on your team for five minutes. Josh Anderson for Milan Lucic is not a fair trade-off. I nope. can't think of many people besides Ben Sherratt on the Habs roster that I'd be like, all right, take Lucic off. You can have Ben Sherratt for five. I can't think of many people on the Habs. And that's just – that's not a knock on Milan Lucic. It's just nope. that – they're a good team. Like you don't want any of their forwards sitting for five, just if it's going to keep Milan Lucic off the sheet. Between how tough Lucic is and his lack of effectiveness overall, there's nobody on my team that I want my intelligent, that my smart brain wants to see them fight. My crazy, like old lizard brain wants to see Wayne Simmons Lucic, but. Oh Yeah. Yeah, but they been but they talk about all this stuff here, like you know, like does this protect stars? And the I think it's been pretty much proven that like fighting does not protect your stars. Every time someone is fighting when something even happens to a star, it's not because it's not the, because like it doesn't deter stuff. It just it's it the incident happens and then there's a retaliation, which is great. But I mean, the thing is, the responsibility of protecting the stars in reality has always been with referees. And I don't know if you saw this, but I absolutely loved it. Chris Christie teed off about how officials, you know, are just basically failing to call the rule book consistently. I think his exact quote here is, can you imagine if they called the game right? Our superstars will never be able to be superstars if they can't call the game right. And I know that there's going to be people who hear this and there's this old hockey thing that's like, no, no, in hockey, we're policing ourselves. And it's like, no, that's dumb. I'm sorry. The best part about hockey for me, don't get me wrong, I love the physicality and I love the hits, but I like to watch the people who are good at flinging rubber fling the rubber. And nothing bums me out more than just seeing a star get hurt because we can't decide what a cross check is and when it should be penalized or what a, you know, I just wish we called the rule book. Power plays are a blast and I I'm sick of makeup calls. I'm sick of people being like sorted out yourselves. I hate this shit in the playoffs. That's like, well, the whistles are away now, Well, we're not playing the same game anymore. There's a rule book. Follow the rules. I'm not saying the game can't have physicality or toughness, but in the rule book, there's ways that you can suppose that, that sorry, that, oh, I'm all jazzed up, Charles. Take over. <laughs> okay. So the one thing that I took away from Versteeg's, uh, and I agree with him completely, and I agree with you with, with, before you got jazzed up there, uh, every generational talent that comes after the last one has to put up with a little bit more shit than the one before him. So Wayne Gretzky came. He didn't get really banged around much because he was fast, but he got his licks in and he had got to protect him, whatever. After Gretzky, you've got the guys in the 90s who were being clutched and grabbed and Paul Correa gets his head caved in and all of this stuff. After that, you've got the guys in the 2000s who were getting banged up and held and hooked and slashed. Then you've got the Crosbys of the world who ultimately, you know, his career came into jeopardy because guys were taking runs at him and cheap shots and, and, totally. and all of that went uncalled. You know, he got the Winter Classic thing and then two games after he was boarded like pretty badly. And now we've seen it with McDavid. And the McDavid thing is it's not as much as he's going to get hurt and he can. 
It's just the fact that I believe officials have entered what I call, they're not even referees anymore. They're game managers. So they're going around mm. with two pockets full of stones. And as they're calling penalties, they're hauling out one pocket of a stone and then a stone from the left and the right until there's nothing left in each pocket. And the problem with not calling things on McDavid is I think in the mind of the ref is, well, he had to slow him down. We've never seen a skater move like this guy. We've never yeah. seen a guy handle the puck at top speed like this guy. We've yeah. never saw a guy shoot the puck at top speed like this guy. And I think if they don't start literally letting him do that or without stopping the guys hanging off him or tripping him or getting the free arm around him, we might not get to see it much more. Like we just, yeah. like, I just can't imagine how frustrating it is for him. Uh, to, and it, it's not that it's like, oh, well, he's not even getting banged around. It's like you see a guy pull the Brian McCabe can opener on him. I haven't seen that in like eight, nine years. Go yeah. on. And it's not and just him it's, either. It's it's Remember earlier it was Matthews and Shea Weber cross-checking yeah, him in the back. Yeah, Pedersen and, and Hughes in Vancouver constantly getting. And the thing is, like, people are like, well, how else are we supposed to slow him down? You're not. You don't. He is better than you. He is faster than you. He is a star. He's going to make you look stupid. And I'm sorry, but that's what you get for not being as good as him. And I think that as a fan, what we're really missing out on is people want, a way, people want to see a situation where great players can be great. And I don't think the NHL does enough to let that come out. No, I agree. I think that this season and, and like – you see a lot of it from each game. And you do see people complain about the officiating when their team is playing anyway. Like, it's, it's a knee-jerk reaction for hockey fans. But I've watched a lot of hockey uh, in the Canadian division just because we're probably never going to see something line up like this where there's a game every night, a Canadian team, a Canadian team. Yeah. I've watched a lot. and I have That's why we're doing not, this podcast. Yeah, I have not seen officiating. I've been making a point on my Twitter to post gifts of certain games that things don't get called. And it's like, Hey, do you think this is a penalty or not? Do you think this is a penalty or not? And there's like two or three a night, like from each game I, I pick apart, like there's two or three a night that are like, and the ones, the obvious ones are cross checks in front of the net. Boarding is a, a, a huge, you know, if it's late in the game, you can, you can just Kerfoot did one in Vancouver, which I was like, Oh boy, he's getting suspended for that. Wasn't a call, wasn't even, uh, you know, wasn't anything. And he just yep. dumped a guy. Last year he got suspended in two games, I think, for pulling the same thing in Colorado. So I just don't, I don't get it. Personally, I don't get it. I don't understand. I just wish they called the rule book. Yeah, same. And I just wish, like, somebody – so I've, I've long since been saying, you know, when my team's on, on the uh, receiving end of this, is just someone's got to take a fine here. Someone – I've been calling for Keith to do it. Someone's got to take the fine and in the press afterwards just be like, yeah, the officiating is not standard to what we – it's not of the standard of NHL officiating this year. Okay. Well, speaking of people who are very irresponsible with their money, what have your thoughts been on the Vancouver Canucks lately? <laughs> that's the segue of the year right there, by the way. That's right. Yeah, the, the, the Jim Benning Canucks – uh, I, I I don't know. I, <laughs> that's how I really? feel with the Canucks. The Canucks are like it's like the the Senators were like, yeah, that's kind of what I thought would happen. Vancouver, I didn't think they'd be amazing, but like this has been a train wreck. Alex Edler looks cooked, which is sad because he's been a great D for them for so long. Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes is a is another guy that he was so good in the beginning, he's tailed off a bit. 
I think he's tired from carrying that team and getting the shit kicked out of him all the time. Yep. Yeah. Um, they've, they've got some injury trouble too. I know Pedersen was out for a few games. Yeah. Uh, Pedersen hasn't been himself all year, which they yeah, really yeah, need I, him I, to be. Yeah. And I, I think the, the workload on these guys, you know, it's, it's hard. Like it's, you, you're playing more frequently than you ever did. I'm reading a book right now. Uh, where Jim Benning is in the NHL and he's a teammate of somebody. And the only thing that they kind of bring up on Jim Benning is uh, he he has he had trouble concentrating on his area when he was on the ice. And all I can yeah, think yeah. about is how that's translating as a GM right now. Is uh, you know, Oof. I was just like, hang on a minute, it's Jim Benning. Yeah. I still can't believe the Toffoli situation. Like I, I, I'm I know, gonna, I know. I'm never gonna forget that. Where his idea was like. We ran out of time in the longest window you ever had to sign a guy ever. Even forgetting about that, I honestly think that, like, I, I had written down in my notes, and I think I did this last week, that we need to talk about how the Canucks spend their money in the bottom six, and we do. I think we'll wait for until they're good and cooked to get into it. But, like, yeah. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. Tyler Myers is looking like one of the worst contracts in the league right now. And if you could trade him for, I don't know, a little Jake Gardner or something, might be good. Mm. I'll stop talking about Jake Gardner, but I mean, he could, he really could. Thatcher Demko has, uh, I really have been fascinated by how the goalies were performing in this division because Demko has taken that net. I really like what they did there. Uh, Holpe has been bad and he's been, him and Fred Anderson have been kind of going on the same downward trajectory at the same time. But De- I, that, it was pretty clear that net was going to become Demko's. And you know what? To have a guy like Holpe with a bit of experience, he has, while he's been bad off, or sorry, on the ice, off the ice, I feel like that's valuable because Thatcher Demko is looking like everything the franchise goalie that people were hoping that he'd been. And they've been good lately. Didn't you say they're, they're like five and two lately? Yes, yeah, that's. Uh, I believe that was the number. Yeah, five and two, and I put in brackets like sneakily impressive because you don't really hear much about the Vancouver Canucks. Like right, and may and you, you really you really don't. And maybe it's the time zone thing that they're just on too late for us to really get granular with and, and dive in. Like I watch. The I games think they're bad, Charles. They're not great. They're not. I'll tell you, they're not great. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Tyler Myers. That is probably one of the funniest. Like, are they paying this guy by the centimeter or something? Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's real big and tall. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, they did his contract with one of those roller coaster signs. Yeah, like, oh, he's awful tall. We better get him money in. Yeah, you must be this tall to be absolutely trashed on our third oh, pairing. Man, I, uh, yeah, I, that's one of the... One of the funniest ones. Like, oh, I they're just... a disaster. We're, we're going to get into that at some point. But uh, just Demko has been good. And my God, congratulations, Mon- Montreal and Toffoli. That looks like the signing of the year. Our producer Jeez. just said they should. it was like a pay by your height night, like Jungle Gyms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Except instead of getting a, a little toy from the treasure chest at the end, you get to pay for $6 million for a gajillion years. That's, that's one of those ones he knew it was bad the moment it was announced. Eh? I believe he signed the. Did he sign the same summer as Carl Alsner? He yeah, and that was another bet. It's so <laughs> hard to evaluate defensemen. The, the two of them. The two of them. Oh no, those were two names that I remember telling my friends. I was like, look, there's two. There's two defensemen names I want no part of. I don't want no part of Carl Alsner. And I don't want no part of Tyler Myers. Like, there's two. Keep them away from me. I'm not sure how we're doing on time here. We have the Senators, uh, but we also have some mailbag questions. So I think we'll kind of yeah. do those together. Charles, you had a great name for our mailbag. Do you want to say it out loud it's, in your sexiest uh, yeah. voice? 
Uh, we're hitting it with the maple syrup mailbag. Sexier. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't do. I'm... Come on. Come on. The maple. I can't do it. I can't. You do can, it. Charles. Can't... Believe in yourself. <laughs> the maple syrup mailbag. No, that's just loud. I feel like I'm trying to sell someone a car. <laughs> Hang on, let me try one. The maple syrup mailbag. I don't know. That's yeah. That's better than me. That's definitely better than me. Thank you. That's the smallest compliment I have ever received. The senators. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I don't. Oh, did I say maple stirrup? I think that was an old Leafs blog. Oh God, I'm all I'm all out of whack. Okay, so the Ottawa Senators. Listen, I know, like, okay, so just a quick last thing on the uh, the Vancouver Canucks because. So the money puck has odds for making playoffs. This is a, uh, one of the best predictive stats websites they have. I'll just go over the odds right now, just as they are M- Toronto 95 to, this is to make the playoffs, Montreal, 83.8 Edmonton, 82.8 Winnipeg, 70.9. Uh, I think that's a couple of games before they went on that heater Calgary is 62.1. So that's the clump right there. Now I said Calgary last 62.1%. Then we're going to Vancouver five point seven percent that is a max ice amount of alcohol <laughs> in a chance that you're going to make the playoffs i did not realize they were that far gone ottawa is 0.05 so it's like genuinely every game they're winning at this point is bad for their franchise which is kind of interesting because they have been stealing some games yeah and that gets us to our first question from uh, twitter handle at Itch Oil, who goes by the name Hibernia, but I don't think it's the company asking us here. <laughs> Why is everyone but the Oilers having a hard time with the Sens? They're 9-7 and seven versus everybody but the Oilers since February 1st. Wow. Yeah. That, well, okay, I have a stat that actually complements that. Let me read this to you. Yep. This comes from Kevin Kevin Papetti, a great Leafs Twitter follower. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl has 17 points against the Sens. Tyson Berry has 11 points against the Sens. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's there's if there's no one who is more capable than putting up empty calorie points against a terrible team, it is our old friend Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry's playing himself into a contract, man. It's what he dreamed of last year. He was dreaming of all of the money. Yeah. All of it. And uh, Mike Babcock ruined his life. Oh, just God. Uh, every, every shot wide that was his own exit on the power play. It was just cost and buries so much money. Oh, just I'm so glad. I mean, I know that you have problems with the Leafs not shooting enough on the power play, but my God, do I not miss him fucking cranking oh, shots from the blue line. Yeah, no, you're, you're right on that one. I, I should be careful what I wish for because, you know, how, how soon we all, you know, forget. But back to, the, back uh, to this guy's question, why, why do you think that is? I think there are, they, the, the, the pesky gonna... Sens moniker has never gone away from me. Oh, yeah? I, I'm going to give the uh, – without looking it up, I'm just going to guess that the Sens probably faced Miko Koskinen one or two times here. You know, you got, you got to, without looking it up, you got to think of if the Sens are, are, are really handed it to the Oilers, you got to think it's just it's just quite literally they got they got Miko Koskinen. I mean, he's like, been better lately, and my God, Mike Smith's been so good for the Oilers. I don't know what the hell is going on there. The Senators are getting no goaltending. No one is helping them except our friend uh, Joey Decord, who we, we will close the episode with. I don't know why everyone's having a hard time with the Sens. But uh, you ever play Mario Party and there's someone who is just so clearly not involved, but they just steal stars from people so they don't win? 
<laughs> yeah, that's the Ottawa yeah. Senators this year. Yeah, that's that's a fair way of putting it. Just with the Senators, though, like there's some my God that Tim Stutzla backhand saucer pass goal with a drag uh, that he passed to Drake Batherson, who I said last week was my favorite combination hip hop artist and way to clean yourself, Drake Batherson. He's been real good. There's pieces in Ottawa, man. There is reason to be happy. Uh, none of which has anything to do with this season, except that some of your young guys are looking good, and I think that they are in a pole position, not to pass the Leafs, like somebody said earlier, but they're looking at, like they're in better shape than the Canucks. I will say that. What effect will Sen's dominance over the Leafs have on Kyle Dubas and his decisions leading up to the trade deadline? That's from Adam Ivany. I mean, I, I think the Leafs need a, uh, I don't, I, I think they need another uh, option at, uh, in, in goal, but I will, we won't get into the Leafs goaltending situation because we have a question about it, but um. I the Leafs need a another winger. I think they need a winger who can score. I think is pretty important. Uh, now, is that somebody who is on the Ottawa Senators? Is there anyone on the Senators that you'd like to pluck? No, no, I've got my guys for the Leafs. I've got no. My guys for... no, <laughs> no, sorry. not one player. Tim Stutzla, well, don't gonna, want him. They're not gonna give us Tim Stutzla. I, I know, but this. it's funny. I'm it's gonna, funny that I'm you said no this. one. Oh, there, there's really, and in terms of the rental market, there's not, not from Ottawa. Sure. I'll say this about Stutzel. We'll, we'll, we'll hammer back a bit. I don't know, 30 years ago. I, I don't know how long ago it was. All right, Charles, we have eight minutes left. So I don't know if we want to be doing history lessons from 30 years ago, but yes, go All ahead. Right, this is important though. Stutzel is going to be the gem of this draft class. He's going to be oh, the yeah? gem, in my opinion. It's going to make up for the Alexander Dagg, uh, Chris Pronger situation. That's okay, nothing will ever make up for Alexander no, Dagg, think, never once in the history kinda, of anything. This will kind of undo that. This will make up for that. You could uh, you could get Paulina Gretzky's next child, who I bet will be good at hockey because her husband's a golfer, I'm pretty sure. And I would still not underdo that Alexander Dagg thing. Did I say underdo? It's funny for me to criticize something underdo. and not even using the real words. No. Anyway, I, I, go ahead. Yeah, that's uh, I no I I don't you know I don't think that changes Kyle Dubas's mandate. Kyle Dubas's mandate. I think a lot of people are still stuck in the video game hockey mode here, and they're Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall, Taylor Hall. I'm a little bit different on that. I think Kyle Dubas is looking at depth. Not we don't need a, we need to slide someone up. Wayne Simmons is going to be coming back. He goes on that second line. That's that's for sure. He's he's got to slot onto that second line. If I'm looking for someone for the Leafs, I'm looking for a center who can play on the wing and also kill penalties. Our, our PK has not yeah. been great lately. I'm looking for – and if, if I'm looking at anybody like that, I look at Eric Stahl and the Buffalo Sabres. Right next to Taylor Hall, I look at Eric Stahl. He's been to the – I know he's a little bit older, but he's only on the one-year deal. He's been – he's won a Stanley Cup before, uh, and he can, he can play on that third line. If somebody goes down right now for injury who's a center in the Toronto Maple Leafs, we're back to either seeing William Nylander at center, who I love, but I don't like at center. I'm fine Alex with him Kerfoot. at center. Uh, Alex Kerfoot at center, I don't like either. I, I think you go out and get a center, play him at the wing, and uh, I, I, Eric Stahl is my guy for that. Also, I think we need to add a D-man. Um, nothing flashy. Saw the name Mark Stahl around. I, I don't know about that. I think. Oh, we're not spending a second talking about Mark Stahl coming to the Leafs. I will blow a goddamn gasket. <laughs> There's no way. There's no I, way. I, I think Eric Stahl's like... good. I think he's too old. I think you need a guy who is stronger defensive presence. I think you're right about needing someone who can also play 3C. Mikhail yeah. Granlund, I think, is a guy. Yeah, that's a name. And I that's think that would be that would be good. So someone actually asked us if we've seen the last of Kerfoot in the Leafs uniform. 
And then he said, so. if so, holler Forsberg. I'm going Forsberg. If you can get Forsberg, Philip Forsberg yeah. makes this team yeah. a like capital C contender. Have we seen the last of Kerfoot in a Leafs uniform? Yes or no? Do you think he will be with the Leafs on Friday? I think yes, just because trades yeah. are rare. If, 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 Kerfoot, if Kerfoot gets moved, and I think he might, it's going to be a Kapanen and Johnson situation where he gets yeah. moved in the summertime, I think. Oh. I think, yeah, if he gets moved, he's got to get moved in the summertime. I think if the Leafs are moving salary out, it it's tricky on who it's going to be. I You might package a couple of these guys that are making just peanut money for one player. And, uh, I, you know, people are talking about Forsberg, but at the same time, you got to ask, okay, do you want to, do you want to ship off Sandine or Nick Robertson? Cause that's what, that's what it's going to cost. Nick Robertson. No, Sandine, probably not. I will say that, Kerfoot is – this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say Kerfoot, Dermot, and a secondary prospect, i.e. someone who is just a cut below Sandine or Robertson, like someone – Adam Brooks. Uh, better than Bro- – I mean, just another guy at, or, a, or a first rounder. I bet they're going to move their first again, and uh, that's going to be the package. I would be – I would be – do I think Kerfoot is going to – have we seen the last of him? No, I think he'll play again, but I do think he's the guy that shakes loose in a trade. Holler Forsberg. I take Forsberg because he's cheaper and he's better. Uh, but Taylor I don't think either. Taylor Hall has less goals than fucking Travis Boyd right now. Yeah, which means know. he's due to score in bunches. Uh, I think he's washed. I think he's just washed. He's not washed. Uh, man, if you can't okay. put him up with Jack Eichel, who can you put him up with? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying he's had a good year. I'm just saying a man like a man like that. I'm saying like Shania Twain. Um, Taylor Hall is going to break. Whoever gets Taylor Hall, he's going to score goals, and people are going to remember real quick who he is. He's not who he was five years ago, but he's he's a quality player. We have a last question here, and I think this one is at me. Uh, somebody said, "What seems more likely to you, the Leafs hiring a coach that doesn't speak English, or the Canadians hiring a coach who doesn't speak French?" And then they attached the clip of Ryan Howard from the office saying, uh, "You made my list," which I think means that he was upset that I said this thing. Which fair <laughs> enough. So did I don't I think that. On... What did I touch on Pat Burns on the last episode about that? I think I did. You did. You spoke very did, well, Pat yeah. Burns, as you should have. Bless his soul. Um, so, I wasn't saying that it's bad that they hire a French coach. I think narrowing the pool of who you can hire for a coach is a bad idea based on language. And I think as someone who watches a lot of soccer, they bring in guys who don't even speak a language as the same as any player on the team because they're the best tactician available. That's all I meant by that. No disrespect to French culture, what it means to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but who is first? I don't care, but I want the best coach available. I don't care if he speaks whatever that Star Trek language is. <laughs> that would be Klingon, Matt. Thank you very much. Klingon. Yeah. Everyone's telling me it once. I get it. You guys, you like Star <laughs> yeah, Trek. Okay. So we're almost done here. We got to shut this down, but we got to end it on a nice note. Joey Decord with the Senators, that interview, I have never been so delighted to be beaten by such a delightful young man, and I hope that man has a good career. I would love it if he went full Hamburglar. Oh, wow. Yeah. No Burgle some hands, uh, young man. <laughs> you remember the last time we saw a third stringer like that win a game and give a very emotional speech at center yep. ice? Yeah. Who was that young man's name, Matthew? 
Garrett Next week, Sparks. we will stop bringing everything back to the Leafs, but you're goddamn Garrett right. Garrett Sparks. Sparks. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Oh, sorry. Do you want to talk more with Garrett Sparks? No, 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 no. Charles, what's the last word? Say it sexy. Last word? Say, it's sexy. Say something sexy for the people. <laughs> uh, don't perform under pressure like this. He's a cat bargoon. Matt's screaming to say something sexy. (laughs) (laughs) This is over. This has been over for 30 seconds. Uh, Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody.